is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my five habits for being happy. Number one, take care of yourself first. When you are constantly taking care of everyone else, it is critical that you take time to do something for yourself. And this may mean that you have to say no to somebody else. Number two, gratitude. Every morning, list everything you have to be grateful for. At any time during the day, you can press the reset button by focusing on all of your blessings and feel its loving embrace. It is the quickest way to shift your energy from negative to positive. Number three, forgiveness. Pay attention to your thoughts around every situation. If you're feeling anything but love, there is likely someone you need to forgive. Many times, we have to forgive ourselves as well. Remember, forgiving is all about setting you free from the negative feelings you're holding onto. Number four, shift your perspective. Your perspective is the lens in which you view the world. Your perspective becomes your perception, which turns into your beliefs. Then it influences your behavior, which ends up becoming your reality. Ask yourself, is there another way to see this situation? Most likely there is. And last, number five, trust with no expectations. Always trust that everything is going to work out exactly how it is supposed to. It always does. Just be sure not to attach any expectations to the outcome. Because worrying about anything does not serve you. Trust instead and let your life flow exactly how it is supposed to. For more information, please visit my website at sandyscarlotta.com. Today, I am speaking with Kim Basler. She is a food freedom and mindset coach. And it was interesting because I hadn't really heard some of the terms that she was using. She calls it empowered eating and movement. So she understands firsthand the struggles around emotional eating, chronic dieting, and body image issues. She has over 25 years working in the health and fitness industry, and she is invested in helping her clients find a balanced approach toward healthy living. I hope you enjoy this interview. It's really awesome. Hello, Kim. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Sandy. Thanks so much for having me here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I was reading your information, and you have a very interesting story and background. Let's just start out with that because I think that'll yeah, just take us sure. into a great conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you a, a cold note version of my story. <laughs> so um, I'll start by saying that I work as a food freedom and mindset coach. So I support women with their relationships with food from a specific angle of disordered eating, binge eating, emotional eating, body image issues, uh, really losing disconnection with themselves. So that's what I'm passionate about. And I, I came into this area of work because of my own story. So at a very young little age of 12, I was modeling the behaviors that were happening in my home with my mother, and I decided to go on my first diet at the age of 12. And little did I know that that choice that day to stand on a scale and and start to model the behaviors was going to 
shape and shift my life in the direction that it did. I began to become very obsessive about trying to change my body and there was nothing wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong with any of our bodies. We know that, but there was truly nothing wrong with my body. But yet I felt that it needed to be changed. I think we feel that as women so often that there's, you know, society tells us these messages. So I began that pursuit to try and control everything I ate and can count everything I ate. And I found my way into the fitness industry. At the age of 16, I started teaching fitness full time. Yeah, I joined a gym at 14 years old, of course. Got to exercise, got to change the body. And so I became an instructor at 16. And, you know, when I look at my life and how it all, you know, shaped and shifted, I went to university and but there was always this in the background. You know, exercise was a place that I enjoyed being in. I loved music. I loved moving to music. But there was always this this place of I'm going to do this because I ate that. Or it was also the I did two hours of exercise. Now I get to eat this. And it became this really ebb and flow relationship with a push and pull with my body. And fast forwarding to a place in my life where I got into you know, management. I was a mother by this point. I'm very fast tracking this story, but I got, I became a mother, you know, controlling my body, losing that weight, gaining that weight back and forth, trying to control it with the, with the scale itself. And I was on the scale anywhere from two, three times a day. I had a period of my life where I was dealing with an eating disorder and I used my body as a place of controlling the parts of myself that I felt were not enough. So I thought, You know, when I look back, I go, if I can make my body look like this, and if I can gain attention with my body looking like this, then at least I'm good enough. And unfortunately, that mindset, when I look underneath it and I unpack it all, Sandy, it really came down to this uh, lack of acceptance with who I was. Uh, There was a lack of worth with who I was. And I don't really know where that stemmed from. I I can question and maybe think about where that came from. But ultimately it found its way into my career. I was in leadership. I was, you know, overseeing 70 instructors, fitness instructors, and I was giving, giving, giving to everybody and still challenging the workouts and the body image issues. And I started to feel myself burning out and not knowing how to, how to pull myself out of that mess, working really long days. My sleep started to suffer. And then I started to get sick. I started to show up with physical hives on my body, my body was breaking down. And I started to lose my joy, I started to lose my happiness along the way. Because I think when we are trying to be everything to everyone else, we lose the connection to what it is that we need inside. We don't even know what that feels like anymore. And I started to have issues with my marriage. And I started to withdraw from friends because uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't be around happy people because I didn't feel the happiness inside of me. And I almost felt envious of it. I couldn't laugh at the things that people were laughing at. I had numbed out a lot of those emotions because I was literally on survival mode and my head was somewhere else always. Wow. Now, what was your, let's just say rock bottom? Mm -hmm. What was the, the turning point for you that you knew you had to get help or whatever? Yeah, thank you. For me, and you know, I think many of us, we have had lots of whispers and signs along the way and we look back and we go, yep, those were all the dots that were leading me to this place. But I was a pusher and I was a type A personality and I was a people pleaser. But my rock bottom came 
Thanksgiving weekend, October 2016, when I was at my mom's and lots of family, lots of celebration. And I felt empty. I felt like I was a physical body there, but I wasn't able to feel the emotion that everybody else was feeling. And I, I will go spiritual here for a minute because it wasn't like I planned on having what happened to me, but I essentially broke down. You know, I think I'm, I don't even remember what happened, probably because I was so disconnected, but I'm sure somebody asked me if I was okay, or they asked me some type of question that, that hit those whispers, that hit those wounds that were inside of me and asked if I was okay. And I just broke down. I had held tears in for so many years of my life, so many burnouts, uh, so much so much distraction with what was happening inside of me. And I fell and collapsed into my husband's arms, crying hysterically. And at that point in time, that evening, I messaged my supervisor and I had to do it because there was many times I had burnt out before. And I would just say to myself, well, this is just a phase. You're just going through a tough time. And I would keep pushing forward because I felt like I needed to be there for other people. But I messaged her and I said, I, 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 need, to, I need to not come into work tomorrow. I'm going to be going to my doctor for a leave of absence. And, and that's where that journey began because I couldn't go back in. I couldn't go back in. I was the queen of putting masks on for everybody else. You can imagine being a fitness instructor, being, and I was known for my smile. And a lot of the time I forced that smile to be there because that was my role. Even if I had a tough day, even if I was, I was having a fight with someone or I was struggling with my own body image, I still had to get on that stage. I still had to put that smile on and lead 40, 50 people through a class. That was my role. And I got very good at it, but I knew I needed help and I knew that I needed to step away and I didn't know what it was going to look like, but yeah. um, that's where things got harder before they got easier because your whole identity, my whole identity had been in that industry. And I knew that I can't go back to it right now. So then who am I? Why am I here? I'm feeling very numb, afraid. And then once you allow those feelings to come up, because they're coming up from like your whole life, and they start to just come in quickly and fast and they're scary. So I uh, began that journey, that journey back home, as I like to call it, that journey back home to myself and my soul and really recognizing what's underneath this. Let's unpack this and let's let it be a really messy journey and a really vulnerable journey where I began to seek help and guidance and uh, do that work on myself. Wow. That's incredible. So, so what did that entail? So... I, like I said, I, I took the leave of absence and I remember going to my first workshop. It was with a friend of mine that I had known for many years ago. She was just getting into the life coaching space and I attended a workshop with her. It was just a small one and I'm so thankful it was small because I was so raw and vulnerable and I was just crying hysterically while I was there. But it began this, this journaling experience of allowing myself to feel the feelings that were coming up. I knew I had to look back and go, you know what? You have spent your whole life chasing titles, awards, diet to diet to diet. Because as much as a lot of my story is about my food story, I know that that was just a symptom of everything that was underneath it. So I had to look at my self-worth. I had to be able to look at the people and the places in my life where I had felt unheard, unseen. And 
I allow that to, to go. And, you know, I, I will say too, I just think it's important because my mental health was, and I, I always like to be cognizant when I do podcasts because I don't know who's listening, but my mental health before I left my career, it was, it wasn't going in a good place. Let's just put it that way. I had a lot of scary thoughts and I think it was just, my body was just trying to help me escape. Right. It's like, okay, well, you're overwhelmed right now. This is a route that you can take to escape. And I went to my doctor and you know, she had suggested some medication to support me at that time, which I really believed I didn't need at that time. And I didn't go that route because I thought, you know what, I'm safe. I have a loving husband. My husband stuck through it all with me. And I'm going to, and I had enough people in my life that I knew I could call on. And I began the journaling, the crying, um, the healing, the healing work. It looked like many things for me, but ultimately Sandy, for me, it was time with myself time to press pause, time to slow down and be able to just, to just be, I don't, I was my whole life. I was a human doer. We know these expressions. I'm going to do, do, do. I'm going to show all the ways that I'm successful. But for the first time in my life, I just said, no, it's just time to be, it's just time to sit and feel what's going to come up and know that you're going to be okay. So I did that. And um, I hid for a long time, though. I hid from people. For sure, I did. I didn't go back to the gym for, you know, a good two months, maybe a month and a half. And that was my whole life. My friends were all there. I just literally vanished off the face of the earth for a while. When I went back onto social media, a few months later, I had a, a feed come on, an ad come onto my Facebook for the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, which I had never heard of before. Wow. And I'm like, what is this? Isn't that crazy yeah. how sometimes you get these things and mm-hmm. yeah, like you wonder if no they're in your brain? <laughs> That's right. It's like, who's watching me and knows that I need this? <laughs> right. Um, but I, I began that research to find out what this institute was. And I think at that point in time, because I was in my head, I was like, well, I need to have a job. I need to, I need to have something to do. If I'm not going to do this, what am I going to do? So. I remember thinking that this will become my profession, but like it wasn't well thought out because I had to work on myself first. (laughs) But that was the beauty is I I did um, a lot of research and I decided to sign up for that training. It was the, I I trained online remotely because I'm here in Canada, they're in Colorado. I trained remotely and certified through them. At that time, the, the title was an eating psychology coach, but I worked on my relationship with myself and food for that whole year of 2017 and looking at understanding and the, the beautiful thing with that training was that our, our relationships with food specifically, they're a symptom. They're, they're not the problem. They are a symptom that has shown up for something that's underneath it. To those of us in the world that as women as men, and men now too, that feel like we can't be in our body unless it looks a certain way. And we start to disembody in those areas we have to be able to do that deeper, deeper work and understand what is this really about. So I began that journey with myself and began my coaching practice uh, at the end of um, what basically in January of 2018, I began my business scared, messy, trying to figure out how to find my voice because I chose to go online. And that was also done for myself because I am a giver and I'm a helper. And I, I love to make people feel welcomed and safe. And I thought, you know what, Kim, you have issues with boundaries. 
And if you're going to start to bring people into your home or, you know, I couldn't afford a, a workspace at that point. So I decided to, to start an online business coaching through like platforms like Zoom, but learning how to find my voice and learning how to be vulnerable online, because that's what we need as, as human beings. We need to share our stories. We need to, we connect through our stories, but I couldn't do any of that until I began to accept me. And that's a journey. We all know that. I mean, I'm still working on myself. This is 2021. So I'm in my business is three and a half years old. But it's beautiful because the clients that come into my life, I, I like to coach the old version of me. Mm-hmm. All the things that I was struggling. I think we do that, right? As coaches, because we have we've gone through it or we're still going through it. And we know that as long as we're steps ahead of the client that we're supporting, then we're going to give them exactly what they need. So it's pretty powerful because as much as I went into this to help with food relationships initially and body image, I've also attracted people into my life that are trying to find more happiness, that are finding wanting to find more joy because people started to see me transform. They started to see me change and shift. I did go back to fitness instructing So they started to see me now. I left the full-time career aspect of it, but I stayed on teaching. And they started to see me change on stage because I was, before I was in my head, it was perfectionism. It was, I was exhausted all the time when I taught. And I, once I began to, to really slow down my life a little bit, which to many people is still a busy life. Let me put it into perspective, right? But for me, this is quieter. And I'm now living from a really beautiful place of love and, and, helping people, specifically women for the most part, be able to heal the parts of themselves that they believe are not enough, giving them space to talk and to share, changing some of these belief systems that are out there about what health looks like, what beauty looks like, and really empowering them to find their gifts and step into the world to shine. That's really what I love to help women do. I love it. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm curious when you're talking, so because you got this certification. So I'm sure it, I'm assuming that it really dove into the different types of eating disorders. Is there any sort of common theme or is it really different for every single person? Yeah. And we did, we touched a little bit on eating disorders, but it's like, and I, like, I know with me, I do support people with, I mean, I, an eating disorder can look many different things, but I mean, I just want to say that I do stay in my scope. I think that that's important. Some to some people, are, I can't help. They're not there. What are the common themes? The common themes are a lot of people who are lacking worth. They are lacking, at, at some point in their life, they were told that they were not lovable. They were not um, valued enough who they were. A lot of it for people too is that the beliefs that they were taught in their home have stayed with them. I think the other thing that I want to share too is this ability to be with our emotions. A lot of us don't know how to be with emotion, whether we were taught to not be safe in them, whether we were told to be quiet, whether we were told that our emotions were too much and just be quiet. So when people are feeling feelings that they don't know how to deal with or they have trauma I experienced that a lot with my clients, past trauma, and they don't know how to be with it. It's scary. It's a scary place for them. And so they suppress. They suppress with food. 
or they suppress with, I do a lot of, I never even touched on this yet with exercise, exercise addiction. This is another one. We hide in things that we think are going to make us feel better or when we don't know how to be with ourselves. So that's the big piece. But then the other piece I would say is when we want to control things. There's a lot of type A personality, a lot of people that want to show up in the world and control so that I'm going to control my body. At least I can't control all these other pieces, but at least I can control this. I'm seeing this a lot right now during this pandemic with a lot of people that have struggled with diet history, dieting history, a lot of jumping from one to the next that's coming back in and also eating disorders are on the rise right now as well. Because yeah. And that's, and especially like, unfortunately I've worked with young children too, like 11, 12, 14 year olds. And they're, and there's so many angles to it, Sandy. And I just want to be aware of that because a lot of the time with children, it's because the parents have their own body image issues, but also it's because this realm of health has become very obsessive and platforms like clean eating have become their own disordered eating behaviors where I have to have my child not eat any sugar and my child has to eat all organic and all of these fears that are coming in about food. And all of a sudden the child has all these emotions. And when they go to Johnny's house, they get to have a piece of cake, but they can't have cake in their own home. And now I'm going to binge eat it because I'm going to get it from somewhere and I'm going to start to hide it. And uh, it really, it can go through so many different angles and I see it. And every child is different. And that's why child, adult, I, I work with everyone independently and I, I do my initial intake because I have to look at where it's come from. Has it come from something from their childhood or has it come from society? Has it coming from their upbringing? Did they, were they a dancer? Were they a gymnast? Was there modeling? Like there's so many angles to it. But ultimately, if I were to, at least with my clients, the root is this belief of I am not enough. I am not enough. And so it's just showing up as a symptom with their food and their body issues. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that with kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and parents mean well. Of like course parents they do. do they're mean not well. trying to. Yeah. No. 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 And that's, that's why I'll, I'll just show like platforms like movements, intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is, is understanding. There's a full book on this. There's a way of eating. It's guidelines and principles that help us heal from diet mentality and diet culture, diet culture, all the industries that are preying on our weaknesses. And so anything about our weight and how we all know that weight, thin women, thin men, thinness is glorified. It is the status to be. And so if you're not in a thin body, you don't feel like you belong, even though maybe your body was never meant to be a thin body. Exactly. That's exactly right. Because a lot of a lot of people, you just, you get to a certain your perfect ideal weight, and that's it. Yep. So, I mean, the media seems to be changing a little bit. Like, I noticed, like, I don't go shopping very often, but <laughs> I, I just remember being in Target recently, and I was going by the the women's clothing department, and they actually had mannequins that were plus sizes, <laughs> along with a normal sized woman. So they're like showing both, and I was like, I just looked, and I was like, oh, thank goodness, you know. And I don't know about other stores, like I said, I, I rarely go to a shopping mall and, and go into mm-hmm. stores. But I, I do notice it on television, like different commercials and whatnot, that that it seems to be, that there seems to be a little bit of a shift, but is it really enough, right? Yeah, it's going to be a slow shift. It's shifting. Yeah. 
it's shifting. And it's interesting because I've talked with a few different people about this because we want to show inclusivity. We want to show body diversity. But yet there is still this piece of like, if we look at it from a fitness perspective, let's say there's a fitness online platform and we want to show all different body types, but yet do people want to learn from somebody who's in a body type that they still don't believe is worthy? So we're trying to show all the different body types and all the different diversity that's out there, but yet diet culture has got its grip on us. And so it's going to take more voices and it's going to take us to be able to stand strong and talk about these, these platforms and these movements. There's another movement, Health at Every Size, which really debunks the myth that if you are in a fat body, if you are in a larger body, that you are going to be unhealthy, you are going to be sick. It is not, there is correlation, there's correlation, but there's not causation. But it, it's everything starts from going to your doctor and being told that you go into your doctor with sore knees. If you are in an, in an overweight body, a fat body, I like to use all of these words. If you go into a doctor's office, they are immediately going to tell you to lose weight. Whereby if you were in a thin body, they would look at all different other conversations that need to take place. But with a, with a body that is considered overweight, obese, immediately they attack the weight. And the, these are where these things start to show up. And we have to, I, I advocate for this with my clients, we advocate that we have to say, if I were in a thin body, what other advice would you be giving me right now? Because we have to protect ourselves, those of us that have, that have worked very hard on healing ourselves, because if we want to talk about health issues and, and risk for our health, it's the yo-yo dieting. Like 98% of the diets out there, they are not sustainable, they are dangerous, and they are hurting people. And that up and down, gaining weight, losing weight, that is not healthy. That's causing stress on our hearts. So we have to talk about all these things, but it's going to take time. And it's going to take people to be open-minded. And it's no different than, you know, our anti-racism right now and Black Lives Matter. These are big movements and it comes with a lot of emotion. And I know, I mean, I, I will say I do have some clients that I work with that are wanting to lose weight. I'm not against that. But I, what I'm against is the way that we're doing it. We're doing it unsafely. And we're also saying that if you are in this body, you can't be healthy and happy. You can't be, look at you. You And so then it's preying on all of these, these weaknesses. So we, we have to explore it and we have to be willing to know what's best for us on our own personal journeys because we're not all the same. Exactly. And isn't it, I mean, for me, and, and I don't, I'm not in your industry, so, mm-hmm. so forgive me if I'm miss, for sure. I misspeak. Isn't there something that like you have to figure out what works for you? Mm-hmm. when it comes to maintaining your weight yes and if i hear i hear anything it's it's this often piece of i want to get back into these genes i want the body i had 5 years 10 years 15 years ago but you have to recognize was that the body type for you at that time or were you forcing it to be that body type and how much have we changed how much have we changed? Our lives have changed. We're older. Our responsibilities have changed. Maybe we have children now and we we don't have the same space to be able to do the things we used to do. We can look, I always say, let's let's focus on, let's say somebody wants to feel like they want to, they want 
to lose weight. Most people say, I want to lose weight. What is that going to do for you? Well, it's going to make me feel more confident. It's going to make me move better. Well, great. Can we focus on finding more confidence and moving with more freedom without having to attach a number of weight loss to it? That's that's the key for me. I want people to feel better in their bodies, 100%. But you have to go, well, is my relationship with the scale, is this helping my journey or is this hindering my journey? Because what I know for me in my life and what I've experienced, when I broke up with the scale and it took time and I had to wean myself off of it, it's the best decision I could have ever made for myself, for my mental health, for my happiness, for my joy, for my relationships. So we all have to recognize what's what, like some of us are fine not eating ice cream. When I worry about another person's like, don't make me give up my ice cream. So we all get to, we all get to decide what kind of, what, what do I still want in my life? Because if you want this type of body type, just know that it's going to require you to do A, B, and C. So if you're willing to do A, B, and C for the rest of your life, then go down that path. But I, I, what I like to say is, is that we don't have to shoot for that all or nothing mindset. We can continue the journey of this makes me feel really good when I do this. I want to do more of that. Wow, when I eat these foods, this makes me feel really energetic. I'm not feeling that brain fog anymore. I feel nourished. And actually, when I feed myself more regularly, I'm not binging at night anymore. I'm not like having to like eat all this food at night when, when my husband has gone to bed because I give myself permission to eat whatever foods I want when I want. There's no good or bad foods. I get to choose what I want. These are the choices that we get to make when we could become an empowered eater. Because a lot of people think that if I'm going to break up with dieting, that means that I'm going to get to eat whatever I want. Well, no, because that's not respectful to your body either. But I, I would, the reason I wanted to speak with you today, Sandy, is just for us to understand that when we get wrapped up in all of these patterns and belief systems and ways of being, if they start to impact other parts of our health, if I'm chasing physical health so much that it starts to impact my emotional health, my spiritual health, my mental health, then we know we've gone down the wrong path. Absolutely. We have to find our way out of it. Yeah. So I just wrote this down, empowered eating. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you teach? Is yeah, okay. I, and I have, an, I have an empowered movement community too because I like to promote movement rather than exercise now and really getting more people moving from a place of joy. So empowered means that I get to choose. I get to choose what's right for me in this moment. So there's some times where I'm going to choose to have the piece of cake if it's offered to me. And there's other times where I'm going to be like, no, I, I don't want to choose to have that piece of cake. And I get to have that say. And it's not a, a fast conversation, especially if you've got a lot of dieting history and living in diet culture and what I like to call what they call the food police, the this is bad and this <laughs> is good and you're bad if you eat this, but you are such a good girl if you eat the salad instead of having the hamburger, right? So we have to start to really take the moral value off of food to become an empowered eater, to learn how to be with my emotions, take care of my needs and not use food only all the time because that's not being an empowered eater. If I don't have other coping skills, that's not an empowered eater. And being able to say, you know what? I feel better when I eat like this and I'm going to respect my body 
and I'm going to eat like this and I'm going to enjoy what we like to call our fun foods. They're not bad. They're just fun. We get to enjoy them, but we get to do them on our terms. And it's, yes, it's the word, um, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Like just eating in moderation, but even eating in moderation, certain foods that also gets wrapped up in diet world too, because what is moderation, right? Like yeah. for one person, it's like, oh, I get to have my one cheat day a week. Well, that cheat day a week for many people turns into a full on binge day. That's not healthy either. So <laughs> it's, um, it's just exploring all these, these pieces, but being an empowered eater means that I get to choose what I want to eat on my terms. And I am a, a good person and a beautiful person, no matter my choices. I love it. I was just thinking back to when I met my husband, mm-hmm. my current husband. I was divorced for two months when I met him. And and I was overweight. I was probably 20 pounds heavier than I am right now, 25 pounds actually. And it was interesting because I had heard how people who had some emotional things going on end up putting on weight, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't think that was me. Mm-hmm. What I learned after being with him about a year and a half was that I was really broken just from past mm. romantic relationships from my yeah. ex-husband, other boyfriends, and he helped me to heal my heart. And after I realized that, the weight just started going off. And, and that right there. And and it's been, we've been together nine years next month. So it's been a good seven years that I've just kind of, you know, and I think women, I go up a couple pounds, I go down, you know, it's kind of like, but I just, and and it's just amazing. So I really, that kind of, I have, I've never really talked to anybody about it. So it was like, wow, because I kind of experienced that. But yeah, yeah. it's real. It, it's real. The, the, and see, this is, this is the gift. See, diet culture will, will address weight as you don't have enough willpower. You need to get that weight off. I address weight on the body as a symptom, or I'll even say as a gift. What is the weight on your body right now here to tell you? And for you, like there's beautiful books, like when food is love, like food is love for so many people. Food is a place for us to to be with when it's hard for us to be alone, when it's hard for us to know how to feel the feelings that are inside of us and it's companionship. Food is a place for loneliness. Food is a place for anger, many people. Mm. So we have to be able to look at what what are the needs. I always say if we're not eating for biological hunger, if I'm not physically hungry and I'm eating for emotional needs, which we all eat emotionally. So I want to just debunk that, that it's wrong if you eat emotionally. No, we all have emotions. We don't pull them out of our body when we eat. We come to the table with food, with emotion. But we have to say, what are the emotions that I'm feeling when I'm finding myself, you know, eating in a different way? What is it? What is it trying to tell me? This is the lesson. So I like to get curious. I like to get curious around why am I eating like this? Even if I were right now, if I were to slip back into some of my old patterns and I started restricting again and I started to not allow myself to eat. I'm not going to judge myself for that and go, oh, my gosh, you know, you're doing this work. I can say, what's going on? What's going on in your life right now that, that you're, you're retreating back to these old habits? When you started, Sandy, for yourself, when you started to feel love and feel love for yourself, but receive beautiful, good love from somebody else that had genuine 
compassion for you, your body was able to release that. It's stored energy. It's stored energy on the body. And it, and it was, my guess is too, for a lot of women, again, there's so many things I could say here. So many women will keep weight on their body. They don't know they're doing it for this, but it's a protection. It's a cage. It's an armor. You're not coming in here to hurt me because we know as women that the world typically will not find overweight women, fat women attractive. And so it's not like the woman intentionally chooses to keep the weight on, but that also has shown up for me and with clients is if I keep this weight on, no one's going to find me attractive and no one can hurt me again. Yep. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. And like, I don't, I don't know if, if this is actually a thing, but I, I was a competitive figure skater growing up mm-hmm. and had very high metabolism. And at one point, my mother took me to the doctor because I, I was so thin, but yet I ate all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just because I was burning so many calories. It, it was just because I was, a, you know, I, I was on the ice, you know, several hours a day. And then I think it was probably after my son was born, you know, your body changes so much when you have a baby. But growing up, I had so many people because I graduated from high school in 1983. And I'll never forget there was going into my 10th grade year, there was the first case of anorexia, Mm. where one of my classmates was hospitalized for anorexia. So then all of a sudden, people started calling me anorexic. And it became like, it was like almost felt bullied for many, many years. And I know that you know, once I was able to start gaining weight, I didn't want to lose it because I didn't want to be called anorexic, right? I mean, is that a thing? Absolutely. And I'll never mm-hmm. forget when my first book was released, I was at a book launch, it was in 2009. And my one of my good friends, her two daughters were there helping with, you know, selling the books and, and stuff like that. And she, she called me the next day and she was like, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, both of my daughters looked at you and, and thought you kind of look anorexic. And I go, well, I'd be the first 140-pound anorexic there is because I'm like, you know, I was like, seriously? So, yeah. And, you know, like that, that's why we have to be able to have these conversations with adults too, because how did she handle that? Because we are all different body types and see, and it's so important because you're coming from the angle of being in a, in a thin body and you're also being addressed with, with some type of attack, if you will, you know, because your body looks sick. Meanwhile, that's just your body. And that's your, your body. That was your genetic blueprint for you. Yeah. 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 And, and, and then that's the thing. So it, it's like, is there, is there any wrong way to have a body? Like if, if I'm too big, well, then that's not good enough. But if I'm too thin, well, that's not good enough either. And you were able to, to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just, I just, you know, it's like once you're in your fifties, you reach a point where you're just like, I don't care anymore. You know? Well, (laughs) and that, and that is that. I just want to be healthy. Totally. Totally. And that's your version of health, right? Cause that's like that. What are you going to do? Go and put weight on your body that isn't meant for your body and your, your metabolism and your blueprint of your body type. What are you going to do? Put weight on your body just to avoid now. And you know, you, this is the shift. I I just want to take this opportunity. This is the shift that I'm always looking at is these are archetypes that I was exposed to in, in school at the, at the Institute. When we are, when we were, you know, 30 years, 30 years and younger, we're in that princess archetype where we're worried about what people think of us and do I look pretty enough? And do I look thin enough? And worrying about people's opinions, right? But as we get older and we start to shift into our late thirties and into our forties, 
we should, and this is the, I'm, I'm intentionally using the word should here. We should be shifting. We should be shifting into our queen where we recognize this is me. These are my flaws. These are my strengths and gifts, but these are the ways that I'm going to lift other women up in the world. But unfortunately, we still have women in their 60s and their 70s and their 80s that are still worried about the five pounds that they have to lose. They're still counting every single calorie. I know this because I see it happening. And what are we missing out on in the world? Are we going to go to our grave? Are we going to be, nobody's, and there's cute little jokes that you see on Facebook, but no one's going to look at you in your coffin and say, wow, she really kept her body nice. Like that's not what we're here for. And we're exactly. missing out. We are missing out on our lives because dieting, and I could go into a feminism route here, but dieting is intended to keep women. I'm going to speak women because that's usually where it is. It's to keep us small. It's to keep our minds. If I have to think about what my body looks like and how many calories I'm allowed to eat and how much I have to exercise, I am not going to be able to explore all the other amazing gifts that I was born with. It keeps us small. 100%. And it robs us. And you know what? Life is too short. Totally. Life is too short. Yeah, exactly. My yeah. God, we could talk for hours about this, but I want to talk about your book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. So tell, tell us about your book. I appreciate that. So my book was, our book is called Owning Your Choices, and it's a, a book of eight authors. And it's stories of courage from eight women from all around the world we all have different stories. My story in there, I share of disordered eating and body image issues. There's stories in there from women from Africa who was a survivor of human trafficking. Oh my God. Uh, stories of, yeah, stories of surviving suicide, um, leaving um, a marriage when divorce was not an option. And like, all of the feelings that we have with women, but we have the ability to be able to make the choices in our life to move us forward. So often, I think that we push blame onto other people or we stay living as a victim because we don't believe we have choices. I had the choice of either staying in that space of diet culture and in that space of push, 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 or I had the ability to say, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore and I get to take my own path. And as I speak on food freedom, I get to choose what kind of body I want to live in. I get to choose what kind of food I want to eat. Those are my choices and they're not for you to have an opinion on. So sharing my story in there, I mean, I had already been coaching for a few years before that, but putting my story into print and tapping into the vulnerability and opening up those wounds that, you know, I have lots of memories of, especially my eating disorder days, those ones bring up the emotion. I can feel it coming up for me right now. They bring up the emotion because inside was a, a little girl who was, who was just trying to find her way. So I believe we connect through our stories. I believe that our stories of strength and vulnerability are what bring us together. And I believe that everything that we have all experienced in our life is here to somebody help somebody else. Yes. They're not, not everyone's going to take a public forum to share their stories. But we can all do it in our own unique ways. And I believe that we, we need to share them. Because if I know, if I, you know, I have been blessed to work with over 50 one-on-one -on -one clients, like one-on-one -on -one long-term clients wow. in the last three and a half years. That's incredible. That's a lot of, that's that's a a lot lot. of women. Yes, it is. Yeah, I've done a, a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
And the space that I've held and the ability to be able to grieve and cry and share, that would never have happened if I hid or if I kept my shame story. But by me healing myself and being able to expose myself to the world and say, this is me. These are my scars. These are my wounds. These are the things that I love about myself. It gives other people permission to do the same. And that collectively is going to heal our world. So the book is, it's just the beginning. Like it's just a part of me, right? But I want to do more writing. I would love to be able to write my own book one day. Oh yeah, you definitely could. And I hope that you do that. Thank you. (laughs) It's a great process. So Mm. what else would you like to share with the listeners before we finish up? Yeah, thank you. What I want every, I mean, I'll take this moment to speak about movement and exercise because we haven't touched on that too much in this conversation. I believe that we all are meant to move. So for some of us, when we hear the word exercise, it's a positive thing. And for many people, when they hear the word exercise, it's a very negative thing. It's kind of that way for me. Absolutely. Which is why I like to speak about movement. Okay. So I came from 30 years of exercise, but I now preach movement. I now teach movement and there's no wrong way to move but our bodies were designed to move. So the key with it is to find things that bring you joy. Where do you love moving your body? I, I, so much of my movement, my exercise, I'm using my air quotes right now, always took place in a gym and it always had to be hard and it always had to be rule-based and I would wear my heart rate monitor and I would look at how much the scale was changing based on how much exercise I was doing. What does movement look like for me now? I get to choose what it looks like. So during this pandemic here in Canada, we are still in lockdown over here. So I spend a lot of time on the trails, a lot of time. It is my time to escape. It is my time to to be with nature, to restore me. And I would never have found that before if, if I was living under the rules of that it had to be hard and it had to produce sweat right? I love all forms of movement. And I want your listeners to be able to see what brings you joy. Do you like to dance? Do you like to do yoga? Do you like to just stretch? Do something because it's going to help shift emotion. We talked about emotion in this um, episode. Our bodies need to move emotion through us. And we have the ability to do that. So I I do have a platform. I'll just take this opportunity if I can. Please do. I do have a a platform called Empowered Movement Community. And it is a space where I do promote and teach online movement. I do it online, but I also have a big, beautiful database of all of the classes. There's over 80 classes inside the community that I've taught. But what's so much more about this community is the collective energy of the women that are in there. I do group coaching in that space. I bring in guest speakers. And it's really a space for women to come together to be seen and to be vulnerable and to be asking for help, but also to be offering help. And it's been, it started in July of last year and we've needed it through this pandemic so much. (laughs) And um, yeah, that's always available for your listeners. If anybody would like to try out that community, I always offer a a seven days trial in there. Or if anybody wants to, to chat with me, even just have a little chat and say, wow, Kim, what you said speaks to me. I feel like I want to talk to somebody about this, but I don't know who to talk to. I am here for your listeners and they're certainly welcome to book a call with me. Fantastic. I love it. And your website is kimbasler.com, 
right? That's right. It is. And I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram. I, I, I love making my dance reels on Instagram. I do a ton of dancing where I spread messages of self-love and self-acceptance. So you can find me there too. <laughs> That's awesome. Kim, it has just been an honor and a joy to speak with you today. And you just gave so much information that and I haven't talked to anybody in any of my episodes thus far on this topic. So it's definitely a topic that needs to be out there. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for the opportunity as well. Of course. Take care. Thank you. So she has so much information to offer people. And I was blown away because I'm not familiar with eating disorders and, you know, the way that people eat emotional, you know, emotional eating and whatnot. So that was just, that was really amazing. And I hope that you learned something from her. If you want to find out more information about Kim, her website is kimbasler.com. And to learn more about me, you can go to my website at sandyscarlotta.com. My book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Coach Sandy Scarlotta. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your support. And I hope that you and your family are stay healthy and safe and that your life is filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone. Yes.